we did a four-week series on Ruth in our Christmas period, and yeah, it was, it was such a, a story of hope, and I really hope that you enjoyed that story, that idea that it didn't matter how hopeless your situation was, that through the hand of God, God can really make anything beautiful. And last week we saw the importance of the, 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 the person of Boaz who came to be the guardian and redeemer of Ruth and her family. And we saw that Jesus, Jesus was our guardian redeemer and he's the one that came to save us. Um, tonight, uh, as we finish up, I just wanted to share one thought, not, not too heavy because it's the last Sunday of the year. But uh, I just wanted to share one thought from the last uh, four verses of Ruth. Um, I really enjoyed the book of Ruth, and I uh, hope you did too. If you missed the sermons from Ruth, um, they are online on our podcast, and that's with all of our sermons. And so, um, you know, they're all accessible online, so feel free to go there. Uh, even if you just miss my voice through the middle of the week, you just miss me, oh, I just miss Steve's voice. Go on the podcast, I'm there. Hello. I'm here. Let's read Ruth chapter 4, verse 18 to 22. These are the last four verses of Ruth. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, Boaz the father of Obed, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David. Now that's nine generations. That's the, that's the family line, the genealogy. And we talked about who David was. David, King David, the one who wrote the Psalms, the one who defeated Goliath, um, you know, the, the one after God's own heart. This is a famous guy. And, and the beauty of this, these four verses is it shows where Boaz and Ruth fit within that picture. Okay? Now, as I said, genealogies, they get boring. You know, every time you get to a genealogy, if you're doing your Bible reading, that's when you go, okay, next page. <laughs> Quickly, next chapter. But I just want to show you something tonight. Um, see, this is one of the genealogies of the, the, the line of David. But last week, we, we also then introduced a longer genealogy in Matthew chapter 1, and that was the genealogy of Jesus. It's the family line of Jesus. Um, and it went from Abraham, who God chose to start his people. He chose Abraham, handpicked Abraham. And then it went on to Isaac. And, and so I just want to show you how this all links, because it goes Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, who was the father of Judah, who was the father of Perez. Okay, this is, we're still in Matthew, who was the father of Perez, and then that family line. Okay, so there's about five generations, sorry, six or seven generations that go before Perez all the way to Abraham. So there's connection. Okay, there's connection. And we see Ruth's name that actually mentioned in Matthew chapter uh, 1, verse 5, but the family line keeps going. And there's 42 generations, okay, between Abraham and Jesus. I'm not going to bore you with all 42 names, but this is the last line, verse 16 in Matthew 1. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, uh, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. And we see in Matthew chapter 1, 42 generations linked. 
from one father to son to son to son. Now, there's a few things that's quite amazing about this. Firstly, uh, it's amazing that there is even this kind of information. If I was to ask you, 42 generations ago, who was your great, 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 you know, grandfather, you would have no idea, right? We struggle for three generations, let alone four generations. Like you would know your grandparents, that's only two generations, but what about their parents? And then what about their parents, right? And that's only four generations. And we, we don't know that. But it's amazing that the Bible, from the beginning to the end, has a continuation of whole 42 generations. All the way from Genesis 12, all the way through Old Testament, there is generation after generation after generation. It's hard, even in our own families, right, to, tra- to keep track of who is who. Right? Hopefully you had some good family uh, meals. I remember eight years into our marriage, uh, we've been married for 12 years or 13, something like that. Um, eight years into our marriage, I remember at a Christmas dinner, uh, my grandfather, um, who's now passed away, but my, my grandfather looked at my wife, Mel, and then he turned to my grandma and was like, and then my grandma turns to grandpa and goes, that's Steve's wife. <laughs> That's eight years into our marriage, right? It's hard to keep track who's who in family, especially if you've got large families. But what's amazing is that 42 generations of names are listed. The second thing that's amazing is that how lineage stood the test of time. Now, time-wise, okay, um, time-wise, Biblical scholars date Abraham to about 1,946 BC, okay? 1,946 BC, meaning 1,946 years before Christ, before Jesus was born. So it's just under 2,000 years, and it's a lot of history. That's a lot of history. And, and, and each generation was accounted for. Each generation Someone's father. And this is before pen and paper, right? This is before mobile phones and emails and messages, right? People just knew. And it got passed on through generation into next generation and next generation. 42 generations worth. Here's the one point that I want to share with you today. And I hope that this is really challenging but also affirming to you. 1,946 years. 42 generations, Jew and non-Jew, male and female, every single person that was mentioned in the family line of Jesus was a key, essential piece of God's overall plan to save humanity on earth. 42 generations. Now, this is going to sound really simple and sort of like a uh, duh kind of thing. But you skip one of those generations, right? You, you skip one couple, right? One guy doesn't marry this one girl. That's it. 42 years of generation mapping and mapping and mapping. One single person. In 1,946 years, one single person could have changed the complete direction of history. And yet, 
the way God planned it from the beginning of time to go through 42 generations, 1,946 years of people. That is an amazing, amazing, amazing way that God has worked. Let's use Ruth and Boaz as an example. Beginning, now think about who Ruth is. Ruth isn't even a Jew. Right? If Israel weren't in, right? If they weren't in famine, then Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, she never would have left. Right? If they, if they didn't go, then they never would have met. Right? Say Ruth, and then, and then Ruth marries one of Naomi's sons. Say Ruth had a child. Then she never would have married Boaz. Say she went back to Jerusalem and the other sister-in-law, she got released and she went back to her hometown, but Ruth stuck with Naomi. If she didn't, then that would have never happened. Ruth goes out and goes, I'm going to go and gather some wheat. She just happens to turn up to this one field that just happens to be owned by Boaz and just happens to think, I'm just going to go here. If she didn't make that one choice, that one decision, then the rest of history would have been altered. Even after she met Boaz, even after Boaz decided that he was going to redeem, if the first guy in line said, you know what, I'll redeem, I'll marry Ruth, then that would have been it. Do you know what I'm saying? Every moment, every moment, Counts. Any one of those moments, just even in those four chapters of Ruth, any one of those moments, if it had changed, then the course of history would have changed. But the beauty and the reality that we need to hear tonight is this, behind all of this, behind all of what's happening in history, it's all God. It's all God's plans. And the beauty of God's plans are they are perfect. You read those 42 generations and you think, how did God even plan that? How did he even go from A to B to C to D? Perfect. Perfect in his ways. Let's take a moment to think about your 2019 How was 2019 for you? When you woke up January 1, 2019, what did you think you'd be doing this year? What were your plans? You know, what did you set out to achieve? What kind of a person did you want to become? You know, if you haven't thought about this stuff, think about it. Talk to someone about it. It's really important to reflect about this stuff. Let me share with you what my 2019 looked like. In 2018, December 7, my youngest was born, right? So 23 days before the year. Um, I thought just raising another newborn, having four kids in the house, was going to be as crazy as it was going to get this year for me. I genuinely believed, I really did, and I, and I know people laugh at me all the time when I say this, I genuinely believed that I thought I was going to have a quiet year this year. I really did. But not only did my son, uh, was he born at the beginning of December, um, 
I don't you would remember, but our Cambodia team, you know, they they went in January and, and one of the guys got sick before the trip and so someone had to go and fill in. That was me. So I remember traveling, getting on a plane in January thinking, oh, this is an interesting start to the year. I didn't expect to be going to Cambodia and Thailand and nearly lost my passport in Thailand and nearly killed a few people in Thailand trying to forget where my passport was and nearly got stuck in a in Thai jail and, you know. It's not what I thought I'd be doing. So I already had a feeling that it was going to be a crazy year. Uh, this was my honest goals for 2019. I write this down. This is honest, right? Lose some weight. Good job, Steve. Okay. <laughs> Learn what it means to be a father of four kids. Okay, I don't know what that meant. I got to three for five years. I had that, I had that down. I, it was good. Okay, send them off to grandmas. That was the plan, okay? You know, continue to grow the health, as a healthy church. Our, our church was going well. Pastor May had just come on board, and, and we, were, we were growing as a church. It was going good. And then, you know, make a difference in wherever I was. You know, I, they're the four things that I wrote down. That's all I wanted to do this year. 2019, that's all I wanted to do. And, and I thought, if I can tick those four off this year, then I've had a successful year. God, you have done an amazing work this year. But can I tell you, honestly, that did not happen. I sat down with my wife last week and we, we had a big debrief of the year and we talked about the kind of year that we had in our, life, in our family and we, we do not remember having a year that was crazier than this year ever. All right, so that's what I wanted to do, okay? Uh, this is some of the things that happened last year or this year for me. I don't even know where I wrote down. Here we go. Yep, newborn in December, and then I went to Cambodia, nearly lost my passport in Thailand. I got invited to sit on the, the board of directors at Fresh Hope, and I still don't know what I'm doing there, but I'm there. Thank you guys at Fresh Hope. What else happened? I quit my job. I loved my job. I love Bunnings. But I quit my job end of September to go full-time at church. That was not in the plans. I was ready to work at Bunnings for the rest of my life. Love Bunnings. We traveled to Korea and America. That wasn't in the plans. We weren't planning to travel at all, let alone go to Korea and America with four kids for a month during the, you know, when the American dollar was the strongest, 10-year high. That was a good time. We ended up moving house. That wasn't in the plans. We were going to send Chris to private school, and then we're now sending him to public school. That wasn't in the plans, but that happened. We got caught. Our house was three, three, three streets away from a bushfire. That wasn't in the plans. We had to pack the car, ready to evacuate, waiting for the police to come and tell us whether to stay or go. That was crazy. And I didn't lose any weight, but that's no surprise. That's, <laughs> that's, but that's just me. What about our church? We had a lot of things happen this year. Of course, we had new ministries and new life groups, but we had a whole bunch of new people. Can you just raise your hand if you first started coming to this church this year? This year was the first time you started coming to this church. Just raise your hand, right? See, there's a lot of people, right? Our friendship banquet was in our first week of June and our six-year anniversary. Over 130 people came. That was an amazing, amazing, amazing night. And then Boa turned up. Nowhere did we think or even imagine that we would start a new church, a new campus, that it would be in Burwood. 
And not only did it turn up, like literally we, we just got given the keys to the place. Spring sowing. Had a big fundraiser, right, for Berlin. Raised 32000 Did we plan that? Not at all. This is what God does. You know, I, there's more in that list that I, I've either I've just forgotten or I just haven't mentioned it. But the same point is the point that I want to share with you that when we look at the genealogy and when we look at the life of, of, of our, my life and then the life of the church this year, and it's the same thing. It's every single moment counted this year. Every single relationship counted for something this year. I keep saying it was a year of dominoes. It's like one thing happened and, and then that knocked over the next thing and then that knocked over the next thing and then that's how we ended up starting a church and that's how I ended up quitting my job and that's how I ended up living in Taramara and that's how I nearly got stuck in bushfires and then blah, blah, blah. And you just go tick, 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 tick. And I'm telling you now, if it wasn't for any of these things, any, you take out one line of that, I wouldn't be who I am today doing what I am doing. Same with the church. Friends, even if we try our hardest, we can't make things happen in our lives because at the end of the day, we don't ultimately have control. Now, we've got to understand this. This is the reality of our lives. We do not have control. You do not, you are not the controller nor the master of your life, I, I promise you. And the quicker you can understand that, the quicker you can surrender that to the real God, is when you can really find some good peace and comfort. None of us can control tomorrow. None of us can guarantee tomorrow. Only God can. At the end of the day, friends, we live in God's universe, not God lives in ours. We live in His plans, not Him in our plans. If you had joys to celebrate, and I hope that you did, it's because God gave them to you. God allowed them. You met someone special this year. God allowed that. It wasn't because of your charms or your looks or because people were desperate. You know, it wasn't any of that. It's because God allowed that. You know? Like, next year is such an exciting year for our church. Got weddings, got babies, weddings and babies. New jobs, new promotions, new houses, they're all there. New church. But it's not because you did something. It's because God did something. And, and if you went through times of suffering and hardship, same. It's because God allowed that. Not because God hates you. Not because God is angry at you. It's actually because God loves you. And he needed you to go through that. See, nothing is, is a, nothing is a wasted experience in the economy of God. Everything is used by God, the good and the bad, the joys and the hardships. It's all used by God because God is the ultimate ruler and controller of the universe. Ecclesiastes 3 reads this, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, 
and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time for hate. A time for war and a time for peace. And in verse 11 it says, He has made everything beautiful in his time. That's our God. No moment is wasted. No conversation is wasted. No relationship is wasted. Everything that you went through in 2019 is there because God wanted it to be a part of your life. Amen. That's my son. So as we move on from our last service of 2019 into 2020, I just want to share with you just three thoughts, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to conclude. First is this, I want to say thank you to everyone that's part of this community, whether you've been here since 2013, or whether this year was the first year that you joined us You know, the time that you came, the time that you joined us is exactly the right time. Now, you might be away, you might be on holidays, or you might be traveling through. You know what? doesn't matter. You think that you came here tonight because you made that decision? No. You're here tonight because God allowed that. Because God allowed that. And I want to say thank you for just being a part of this community. Um. Whether it's your serving, your giving, your conversations, or your prayers for this community, each and every one of you have been used by God to make a difference from where we were as a church at the beginning of 2019 to where we are now. And that's a long year. As you can see, there's a lot of changes. But every single person here, every single one of you, in some form, shape, or size, has been used by God to make that happen. So I thank you for that. Uh, Secondly, um, on a little bit more of a personal note, thank you so much for being a part of my life and the life of my family. Um, I guess for a lot of pastors, there's not much distinction between church family and and, and just family, and and I I think so too. Um, So many of you have made an impact in my personal life in ways that you may or may not know. And this isn't just to those that are close or to our leaders, but to every single person. When I come to church on Sunday, I look forward to greeting every single one of you. I apologize, I may not remember your name, but I do remember your face. Just don't remember the name. I'm getting, I'm trying to get used to that. That's why we have name tag Sundays, guys. You know, I've, I've enjoyed meeting everyone. I've, I've, I've enjoyed watching people grow. I've, been, I've enjoyed people sharing with me about how God has answered their prayers. I'm not glad, but I'm glad to be a part of even the tough times, to watch God mold and, and shape you to be a better person, to be a better follower, a better believer for him. And so I want to thank you so much um, personally um, and from our family from Mel and myself, thank you so much for your friendship, um, especially the guys who came and helped me move house. Oh, sorry, we have so much stuff. Hey, eh? just we had to repent that day. <laughs> so much stuff, but thank you so much. Um, I can honestly say that each and every one of you have had a, a, a big impact in who I am as a person. I think I've changed. I think uh, people that know me 
I would say that I'm changing, hopefully, for the better. Um, and each person in our community has a voice in that. And so I thank you very much. And finally, as we sort of wrap up the year and just be reminded that every moment counts. Every moment counts. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, you know what, 2019, there was a tough year. It was a horrible year. I don't ever want to go through 2019 again. I never want to go through that breakup again. I never want to go through financial hardship again. I never want to go through those low times again. And I'm telling you, you know what, if God put that on your plate, then it's good for you. And what I'm asking you to do is you need to trust God. You need to trust God with your life. One day you'll be able to look back on your life just like the genealogy, just like the family line, and you will see that God, it was God from A to B to C to D. It was God that set that up, not you. Trust me, the life that we think that we can set up for ourselves, if we were to write it ourselves, and if we were to write, this is the stage, this is the process, A to Z, right? That is nothing compared to the life that God wants to give you. God wants to give each and every one of us the the fullest of lives. And the fullest of lives is one that is surrendered to God. So let God do that for you. Trust Him. Trust Him with your life. Because at the end of the day, you will not look back and go, look at the life that I have built. Look what I have done. I promise you, the only thing you will be able to do is, wow, look what God has done. Look what I have allowed God to do. Or, God is, I haven't let God do anything. I've just tried to stay in control of my life. Psalm 127.1 reads this, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it in labor. Friends, trust God to build your life. Trust God to build your marriage. Trust God to build your future. Trust God with your job. Trust God with your finances. Trust God with your health. Trust God with your future. Trust God with your 2020. If nothing else about resolutions, if if you're a New Year's resolutions kind of a person, you only need one. Trust God. And the rest, God will take care of. He will. God is a good God. As we see through Scripture, He is a good God. And He is a good God that loves you. So whatever you have planned for 2020, take that to God. And trust Him with that. Trust Him that God's got the best plans for you. As I said, next year, there's a lot of exciting things happening. We've got some weddings coming up. We've got babies popping left, right, and center early next year. We've got new jobs starting, promotions happening. You know, I don't have to give the prophecy, but you know, people are going to move houses and people are going to, you know, move jobs. And that's just pure statistics. Nothing, nothing spiritual. Just pure statistics. You know, next year is going to be a big year but it's not going to be you that builds next year. It's not going to be based on what you can do. It's going to be based on what God allows next year. So trust God. But as we finish 2019, I thought it'd be nice to just end with some time of prayer.